Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Ride. Alien abductions, they're gonna come and get you. But will you remember the ride? That's what my question is. I want to talk about, well, we are talking about alien abduction, right? And the word alien to me is sort of alien because I tend to think that if you believe in the belief of the belief of the believing, these beings were here before humankind were here. In essence, they kind of, you know, uh, lab-created people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, into this uh, very wondrous, interesting uh, biosphere of an opportunity of recycling system and recycling of nature, recycling of, of spirits. So I often wonder why. Why would, if I was an alien, this uh, alien Angley, right? That's my name. Alien, because you guys call me an alien, but I was here long before y'all. All right, just call me Mr. Angley. <laughs> Mr. Angley. Uh, why do you uh, abduct us? Like, why do you why do you care? You know, you got nothing better to do. Is it uh, part of the grand scheme? Are you tweaking? Uh, what's going on? And I have to supply an answer. I mean, maybe, you know, fascination. I think once you've abducted a, a certain amount of people, you don't really need to do it anymore. Humans aren't all that complicated. Right, we are our bio machines in of ourselves. Everything inside of us that works us is a machine. We run on electricity, you know. So, why would you need to, to do that unless you need to do it? And then you can start exploring the reasons why uh, an advanced life would still need. To, to abduct and be doing this and whatever. And we've all heard the stories, especially I talked about Camp Hero a couple of weeks back, uh, you know, alien uh, hybrids with humans and, you know, mixing this, that, and the other stuff. Okay. I, you see, my, this is my problem. <laughs> my, biggest, my biggest problem. I, I do this paranormal show, and I love talking about these subjects. But I'm going to be the first person to say I don't believe it until I experience it or see it, you know. And to me, it's research, you know. I, I like the stories and I like, uh, you know, the corroboration of stories, for instance. So with alien abduction, there are so many, I mean, thousands and thousands of stories. And not just from, not, not just from, you know, what you're going to see out there and, you know, ancient aliens and this and, and whatever show puts it out there right forget shows get away from the television because they they're disingenuous about their information they want the ratings but they don't really have anything to offer aside from uh, you know the freaks that they choose to run around in the dark and go crazy right and, and yes they're freaks 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 with me I want to know what the deal is and uh I like information, like I said, especially when it comes uh, through honesty, honest points of information. So as for the people who come forward, yeah, of course, you're going to have a good assortment of kooks in there. You know, it doesn't mean they're 100% wrong. Might be the interpretation of events. And it all comes down to interpretation. All of your life, everything you see and do, what you're doing right now is and your own brain's interpretation of the facts as you know it. And it gets stored in your brain, right? For, for future reference, <laughs> if you needed any. So, but too many stories, too many, uh, too many people that, Really, it wasn't in their best interest to come forward to say anything about being abducted. You know, it's, it's something that uh, if you're, <laughs> I mean, if you're any kind of anything, if you uh, have any kind of status in life, you know, especially when people raise the eyebrows on these subjects, even still, you know, you can't kind of just be in your office place saying you're abducted by aliens. You know, people are going to look at you differently, man. They're going to think you're, you're, uh, you know, maybe having a, a breakdown or whatever, you know, even even maybe if 5% uh, of them 
kind of half believe you, the rest of those people will be alienated. Ha 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 ha. Right? Alienating the aliens who alien abduct you. So it's best to keep it to your damn self. <laughs> don't don't tell people things that they don't need to know. I learned that a long time ago. I grew up in an Italian family, man. Don't tell people things they don't need to know. Period. End of sentence. Play your cards close to your chest. But, all right. So let's talk about aliens. Well, let's talk about, let's not talk about aliens. Let's talk about abduction. So this can happen apparently anytime, anywhere. You could be in a hotel room up in Lake George, New York, for instance. You know, see a light outside your window and all of a sudden lose hours and hours. Open your eyes and it's 5 o'clock in the morning. When you just looked at the clock and said one o'clock in the morning, that's weird, right? And then some people have experiences, and then when they start talking about it and exploring all these ideas uh, or just instances of, of what had happened, start pouring out. Especially if they go under a hypnotherapy, you know, it, it comes out in buckets of all these things, right? That they had experienced while they they were under and being manipulated. So. I'd like to think that an advanced species would would be helpful to us, helpful uh, in our survival, right, and kind of going in the right direction. But I think that uh, people, humans, have have their own destiny and can control their own destiny, especially in how they uh, function in their society, right? Anyway, let's talk about let's talk about these people who are abducted. In 1976, four friends in their early 20s. Went camping in a rural Maine, up in Maine. Never been to Maine. Uh, very well, very wildernessly, <laughs> well wilderness type of place. Maine. <clears throat> they call it the vacation state, I believe. Even though uh, probably more people go to Florida for vacation than Maine. On the second night, these guys noticed a very bright light, but nothing more. On the third night, they decided to try uh, a night fishing. In the canoe, ooh, canoe at night, bad idea. They noticed the bright light again. So these guys are like, ooh, bright light. One of the men used a flashlight to flash light in SOS pattern at the light. So these guys in the canoe, here's giving some SOS, even though they're they're not really SOSing <laughs> in the canoe, right? But they're curious about the bright light. The light then expanded. And enveloped all the four men. That's the last thing they remembered. They woke up back at their campsite with no recollection of what ended up happening with the light or how they got off the water. The fire they'd stoked up before they just left minutes ago uh, intended it. Uh, let's see. They they intending it still be burning when they get back, but the, it was completely burned down to the embers. So. All right. The aftermath. <laughs> I like this because there there is the experience and then whenever you have these experiences, there's the aftermath. There's the bits and pieces. There's the flashes of, hey, what happened? Just feeling like there's something weird about it. You know what I mean? Like something off, something different, not something right, something you haven't experienced before, like in that realm. So Jack Weiner was the first to start having nightmares in this group. Uh, in these dreams, he saw beings with long necks and large heads. Uh, you know, that's the problem. He falls asleep in front of the TV and the Kardashians are on there, man. You know what I mean? That could give. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll be serious. but <laughs> That's just what I thought about. They had huge lips and giant asses. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Uh, he saw the beginning. Uh, he saw the beings examining his arm, while Jim, Chuck, and Charlie sat on a nearby bench, not able to intervene. So they kind of just being manipulated, right? 
The beings had large metallic glowing eyes with no lids, and their hands were insect-like with four fingers. Uh, the other three men were experiencing very similar dreams with short mental clips of that night on the lake. Uh, so in 1988, out of curiosity, Jim Weiner attended a UFO conference hosted by Raymond Fowler. Weiner met Fowler afterwards and related uh, this strange encounter. The investigator was so excited about Jim's story, especially the fact that it was a multiple witness occurrence. Fowler suggested to Jim that he and the others undergo regressive hypnosis. After the session, it was revealed that all four men had memories of being abducted and subjected to humiliating physical examinations, including taking of skin and fluid samples, right? The description of the aliens was consistent. The four men being artists were able to make detailed sketches of the entities, the craft and the examining instruments. Chuck Rack added that the aliens test area was similar to a vet's office with a silvery table. He also related a strange fact. He had much difficulty in focusing on the aliens when he tried. He couldn't put an exact image to them. He compared it to trying to tune into a fuzzy radio station. After uh, the psychiatric examinations, all four men were deemed to be mentally stable, and they all passed lie detector tests. So here you have four guys with this story. Something had happened. Something had happened to the point where they reached out to, to the UFO community thereafter uh, and then, you know, went through this regression and tried to find some answers, you know, for themselves because they know what happened. But I'm saying why. And as somebody who does research, you know, you have your, your case studies and, you know, you want to be able to look back in on those those cases and, you know, gather more data, more information as time goes on, right? That's the whole point of, of collecting information, collecting samples, doing studies, is that in the long term, you have this big timeline of, of things that had happened, good for bad. So my question is then, are these people getting revisited? You know, is it just a one-time deal? or you happen to be the guy in the UFO or whatever you are and see these guys, uh, you know, on the lake, hanging out on a canoe, you know, or like uh, whatever. And you're just, you're obviously shining a light at them or making your presence known. I feel like if they don't want to make their presence known, they don't have to make their presence known, but it also seems to be a common occurrence. The light, uh, a very, very interesting light, the light that you've kind of not used to from looking at light bulbs or any kind of light fixtures that we know of, sodium vapor or, or any of that stuff, you know. And uh, a lot of people said it's a soothing light, you know, something that calms them. But that could be the process of taking these, these uh, you know, experiments. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you know taking samples from them and then they they transport them where they need to transport them temporarily to and then put them back but the one also another constant with all their stories is that they lost time lost time and they specifically stood out you know yeah you could be laying in bed dozing right look at the clock it says 12 30 one o'clock whatever you know, you roll around a bit and your eyes close and all of a sudden you open your eyes and it's hours later, but you know that you didn't really fall asleep sleep and you wake up. Not only that, you wake up irritated and tired, you know, and, and also kind of like with energy, it's weird, man. The weird, weird occurrences that have happened around these. Okay. Let's go back to 1973, the disco era. Right? Two co-workers were fishing off a pier in uh, Pascalua River when they heard a buzzing sound and saw flashing blue lights. A UFO appeared and three humanoid creatures dragged them on board. Inside the craft, they were examined for about 20 minutes before being levitated back to the pier. 
afterwards they went to the police station to report what happened while the detectives left two alone in the room their conversation was unknowingly recorded charlie i've never seen nothing like that before in my life you can't make people believe calvin i don't want to keep sitting here i want to just go home <laughs> there you go I want to see a doctor. That's what the guy said. Uh, Charlie, they better wake up and start believing. They better start believing. Calvin, you see how the damn door come right up? Charlie, I don't know how it opened, son. I don't know. Calvin, I just laid up. And just like that, those sons, bitches, just like that came out. Charlie, I know. You can't believe it. You can't make people believe it. Calvin, I paralyzed right then. I couldn't move, Charlie. They won't believe it. They're going to believe it one of these days, but not today. Might be too late. I knew all along that they was people from other worlds up there. I knew all along. I never thought it would happen to me, though. That's the thing. Why would it happen to these two guys, you know? Just sitting there, ruining their fishing trip. <laughs> but... There's, there's the why, you know, you're just randomly selecting these people because if you, if you read into this abduction stuff, there are people that say, yes, the, these guys are, are case studies that since they are babies, they've been followed and they just don't know it, you know, especially if they can block out your, your, your mind. But then these guys, it comes out other ways, you know, it finds a way. It comes out in your dreams, it comes out other ways, it comes out in behavior, right? So this is a famous story, but I found it so interesting. Betty and Barney Hill, anybody knows about that? So 1961, a married couple, both normal by all accounts and leaders of their community, were driving home from a vacation at Niagara Falls when they saw what they thought was a falling star. But it moved around in the sky and began to grow bigger. They decided to drive slowly along the road and follow the light as it grew closer to them in the sky. Eventually, stopping in the middle of the highway as the object hovered only 80 to 100 feet from them. So 80 to 100 feet. That's close. That's like an 8 to 10 story office building. I mean, not that tall. You know, pretty close, right? All right, so at this point, Barney Hill commits a horror movie no-no and gets out of the car to get a closer look. That was people back in 1961. You know? <laughs> I'm going to come out and get a closer look, Betty. Is that her name? <laughs> it is her name. <laughs> well, I'm on point tonight. <laughs> okay, Barney, just be careful. All right. <laughs> Okay, uh, after seeing a craft with 8 to 11 humanoid creatures in black uniforms on it, he screamed, they're going to capture us, and ran back to the car, and the couple drove home. So they took off. A trip that should have taken three hours, mysteriously, took seven. Three hours? Where the hell were they, man? Uh, Niagara Falls. Anyway. The Hills could not account for the missing time. Additionally, a lot of other strange things happened, leading them to conclude they had been abducted. All right, so arriving home at about dawn, the Hills assert that they had some odd sensations and impulses they couldn't readily explain. Betty insisted uh, their luggage be kept near the back door rather than in the main part of the house. Their watches would never run again, Barney noted that the leather strap for his binoculars was torn, though he could not recall tearing it. The toes uh, of his best dress shoes were inexplicably scraped. Barney said he was uh, compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom. That's every guy. Though he found nothing unusual. <laughs> I'm going to inspect my genitals. Let me look. Hmm. Hmm, let me get that dental mirror and do the underside. You never know what's going on down there. Hmm, hmm. Nothing out of the ordinary. What do you think, Betty? Looks normal, John. <laughs> Barney. <laughs> Who's John? I don't know. 
they took a long uh, they took long showers to remove possible contamination and each drew a picture of what they had observed their drawings were strikingly similar but then again yeah they're a couple and if you look at the outside of it well you know if they're going to uh, concoct a story obviously it's going to corroborate one another in that story all right i'm just throwing that out there perplexed <laughs> perplexed the Hills say they tried to reconstruct the chronology of events as they witnessed the UFO and drove home. But immediately after they heard the buzzing sounds, their memories became incomplete and fragmented. They vaguely recalled a luminous moon shape sitting on the road. Barney recalled saying, oh no, not again. Betty thought Barney had been taken a, uh, had taken a sharp left turn off of Route 3. After sleeping for a few hours, Betty awoke and placed the shoes and clothing she had wore during the drive into her, clo- into her closet. That's weird. She wouldn't put it like in a hamper. Dirty, dirty Betty. Observing that the dress was torn at the hem, zipper and lining. Later, when she retrieved the items from her closet, she noticed a pink powder on her dress. She hung the dress on her clothesline, and the pink powder blew away. But the dress was irreparably damaged. She threw it away, but then changed her mind, retrieving the dress and hanging it in her closet yet again. With the dirt, just the dirty, the dirty birdie, you. Over the years, five laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analysis on the dress. They were shiny. Uh, they were they were shiny. Uh, concentric circles on the car's trunk that had not been there previously. Uh, Betty and Barney experimented with a compass, noting that when they moved it close to the spots, the needles would whir rapidly. But then when they moved it a few inches away, the shiny spots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So stuff happened, man. As time passed, Betty and Barney remembered more and more details of their abduction. Here is a map in the solar system constructed from their hypnotherapy sessions. I can't show you guys out there, but one day you'll be able to see what I have in front of my face. So this is a Zeta 2 reticuli. 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 Sounds a little bit of Italian. Italians in the space. Uh, Zeta. Zeta Reticuli. Alpha Amenasi. Mensai. And there was all kinds of others. And this is what they named, I guess, was in their brain, right? Pretty cool. Anyway. So, what do you guys think about that? And this is, and let me say, this, I have to add this because it's important. This was an interracial couple that, that at that time drew more attention on them, especially uh, because people are so great racist, you know what I mean? Like, like it was uh, a thing, you know? So these, this couple had nothing to gain from, from really going out there. And then they, you know, I remember seeing uh, this on, on other, other shows and, you know, they really focused on them and they actually went and did, did the science and the research and tried to retrace their steps. They're mystified. And obviously that, Sounds like they were just grabbed and dragged, you know, by these these uh, eight to ten little creatures, whatever they are. But why, why, you know, why, why them? And you know, uh, when you do this this past life regression, just like when you do uh, just a psychic regression, trying to flush things out that have been buried in your mind. I mean, you know, there are, are children who have been molested and they they block it off in their mind and then they, you don't know, I mean, but they really had those experiences, but they, they themselves chose to block it out. And then their behavior changes over time to adapt to those those moments, you know what I mean? So, but these guys, guys, would have uh, the technology to manipulate, if they have the technology to easily manipulate people's memories, that's a pretty powerful tool and or weapon, you know. So obviously, there's a reason why they keep uh, plucking people. And I know, you know, people talk about the cows, you know, back in the day and, and the, the farm animals out west. 
that were, were basically butchered and left on the side of the road. And only a couple of bits and pieces of them were taken out, the important parts, you know, uh, parts of the brain and uh, pituitary glands or whatever the hell is in there that they were taking out, right? But that was more the U.S. military, you know, in, in the wake of testing all those nukes out in the desert and the radiation, and they're trying to track the plumes of radiation through the animals and what they had experienced. Uh, so, you know, water supply, food supply, things like that. So it wasn't like the aliens uh, needed some steak, you know, so aliens. All right. How about this? All right. Antonio Velas Boas was a Brazilian farmer who was uh, working at night because it was too hot to work during the day when he saw a red star in the sky. As the light grew larger, closer, he tried to drive away in his tractor, but it died. He then tried running away when he was accosted by four humanoid creatures that dragged him into the now landed craft. They stripped him, covered him with a weird gel, and then took blood samples. I swear I went to a club like that in New York City, man. <laughs> you know, it was actually pretty expensive to get in. <laughs> it wasn't what you would normally think of an abduction. It was willing, I guess. Uh, this is where things get weirder. A female humanoid creature appeared. They had sex. Some hand motions followed that Boas took uh, took to mean that he had impregnated the creature, that she was going to leave, uh, have a child, and raise it to wherever she was from. Then, uh, then they gave him a tour of their spaceship before dropping him off. <laughs> there you go. You want to see the ship? Come on. You just see, you know. <laughs> Uh, but don't you think that they would, if that was the case, they would take samples from him that they, they wouldn't need to have sex, you know, and that maybe that's his perception while he was under is that that's what happened, right? Let's see. So he went on to become a lawyer and have a family. And that means, uh, whatever, <laughs> nothing. Now <laughs> he's a lawyer, right? So. Hey, maybe one day you'll be talking to your attorney and he'll tell you his abduction story, man. That's pretty cool. So uh, how about Clayton and Donna Lee abduction? Look at this pair. I don't even like, I don't like their energy. <laughs> just feeling this photo. A Texas-based husband and wife, that's just a second red flag, claimed to have been abducted by aliens multiple times, including once where a fetus was stolen from Donna by the alien trespassers. I swear to God, this happened to Britney Spears just a few weeks ago, man. Uh, Clayton claims that he was a child visiting a park and the very first time that that was the first time he was abducted and that he feels the aliens might be studying him throughout his life. See, that would make more sense to me, you know? Then you would need multiple samples. There wouldn't be something that is so easy to get necessarily. The couple uh, have had their memories of this event awakened by a local psychologist who, uh, ironically, doesn't actually believe in aliens herself. They have both drawn sketches of the aliens and appeared on multiple media outlets to talk about the story, including uh, the O'Reilly Factor. Haha, <laughs> here we go. Here's, here's Bill O'Reilly. All right, and you were abducted multiple times? And then D. D. Lee... Yes, yes. O'Reilly, did you ever talk to the abductees? I mean, did they tell you where they were from or anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> Imagine the conversation between Bill O'Reilly and some aliens. <laughs> Do you have any coffee here? Mm. <laughs> I really need some right now. Would, would half and half if you got it. Uh, D. Lee. No, not that, uh, no, 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 that I don't have any remembering of it at all, having the conversation, no. O'Reilly, so they just swept you away somewhere? Where'd they put you, <laughs> Lee? Different places, different times. I've had memories of being on what I consider the ship because I know it was some place other than any place I'd ever visited before. 
Bill O'Reilly. So you were in some kind of, uh, well, some kind of vehicle. Dean Lee, yes, it was a vehicle, a room. It was very cold, metal, a lot of metal, a lot of metal. Metal everywhere. Bill O'Reilly's like, did you, did you see, uh, did you see the aliens? And like, yes, what did they look like when, uh, what I saw in that particular visit, they were tall, slender, blonde, looked human, but not human, not quite human, kind of like Swedish, <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel that way about Swedish, Swedes. What did they sound like? They talked like this. Did you visit that Ikea? That was our idea. Let's see, D. Lee said they didn't really use their voices to talk. Yeah, because they're, it's going to be mental telepathy. They're going to talk to you with their mind. Every human can receive and even give those, those thoughts and those vibrations. There are people that do it all the time. They just don't have such a hands-on way of doing it, but it's something that naturally occurs and happens. It's something that uh, you're capable of doing, I'm, I fully believe, Right? The couple says they remain worried about being abducted again uh, almost daily, but they want to go on and live their lives. See, but is it good to go on shows? As soon as people jump on, on shows, I raise my eyebrows because a lot of them, it's not something you want to talk about, man. Especially, you know, it, like I said, in certain circles, it, it's not really, you know, let's face it, the whole paranormal world, to... to, to Regular people out there, it, it's uh, something that they might have, have an opinion on, they may not. It's something they might have an interest in or not. But it's definitely not something that's omnipresent to their, their life unless they've been affected or touched or they really have an interest, right? So, you know, you go into a large room of people and start talking about your alien abduction. People aren't going to take you seriously. Even in, in that, uh, that show, Independence Day, Right, you had the the guy, uh, the funky uncle man from Vacation. <laughs> you had that dude who was like a crop duster and a drunk, and you know he's in his town. Uh, Randy Quaid, he's in his town talking about, yeah, I was abducted by aliens, and they just knew him as the drunken kook, made fun of him the whole bit. And even after aliens attacked in the movie and they almost destroyed everybody and the only group left was, you know, this very ha little handful of, of Hollywood actors. <laughs> Will Smith. Will Smith tried to slap some aliens down. That was, that was it. Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. They didn't even include... You'd think they would include, like, uh, Bruce Willis, you know, in a movie like that. <laughs> Bruce Willis is definitely the guy who cracks open the asteroid and uh, and gets rid of the terrorists on Christmas. Why not aliens? You know what I mean? I think he missed his calling a little bit. But anyway, it came down to the, at the end of the movie. So even at the end of the movie, you know, when they were the military, they were looking for pilots to go battle the aliens. This guy's like, yeah, I'm a pilot. I've been anxious to get up there. They abducted me so many years ago. And there's two, like, you know, military guys looked at each other with a stupid look, you know. You know, stu what stupid look? You are battling aliens, right? And there is no stupid look. If this guy says he was abducted, if he says he was abducted, he was abducted. A lot of people become alcoholics after they're abducted. You know what I mean? So anyway. All right. Let's see. Uh, in a chilling story that three different people were involved in, uh, a 22-year-old named Amy was abducted right out of the window of her lounge room of some sort of flying craft. Amy's husband, Keith, had already gone to bed while her friend Petra stayed up to read in another room. Petra was abruptly disrupted by a blinding light coming through from the lounge area and a sound of shattering glass. The rectangular beam of light was shining into the room, and according to Petra, she saw Amy being pulled out of the window by the light still apparently asleep. Keith then woke up, and both he and Petra searched the house and surrounding area for Amy, who was nowhere to be seen. Keith eventually called the police. Amy eventually turned up miles away with strange marks on her inner thighs 
and bizarre, uh, bizarrely extensive body hair growth. Ooh, she got reverted to the 70s, man. Isn't that weird? Body hair growth. So these are just stories of people and, you know, there's no rhyme, no reason. She doesn't remember. They don't know what the hell happened. They just have bits and pieces of this, right? So, and think of the people in history that have told the story of alien abductions, you know, like uh, the prophet Muhammad, who, who said the archangel Gabriel came to him and took him into a ship around the world, showed him future civilizations and, uh, you know, took him out in the universe and showed him other civilizations. And this, this didn't just happen to him. Purportedly, it happened to Moses and it happened to a lot of leaders and also inventors that they had been visited, something had happened, something was put into their minds and their brains to take people into a new direction, right? Interesting, you know? So what about the former president of uh, the only Buddhist political state, uh, Kirsan Lyamzinhoff? That's it. Liam Zinhoff, I know I'm not saying that name right, uh, avidly claims he was once kidnapped by creatures not of this world. He said they abducted him off his apartment balcony and took him to their spaceship. He said, yeah, 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 I was taken from my apartment in Moscow to this spaceship, and we went to some star. After that, I asked, please bring me back, because the next day I should be back in Kalmyka, Kalmykia. They said, oh, no problem, Kirsten. You have time. <laughs> he said, uh, let's see. When pressed for details of the aliens themselves, he says, there are people like us. They have the same mind. They have the same vision. I talked to them. I understand that we are not alone in the whole world. We are not unique. The ship was absolutely enormous. One of its chambers was the size of a large football pitch. Uh, we landed on one of the planets and picked up some piece of equipment. They told me everything in detail. All right, so allegedly, while this guy was abducted, his staff came looking for him and was un unable to locate him. Uh, and he and explicitly, uh, inexplicably appeared in his suite hours later. So what do you think of that? I mean, this guy, he's got no reason to tell a crazy story like this happened, whatever, and they took me in their ship, and we flew away, and whatever. And I said, hey, I got a meeting. I got to be back. And they're like, hey, don't worry. We have time in a bottle for you. Because if time can be manipulated, this is, this is the whole thing. This was the whole basis of the show, in case I didn't tell you, is the manipulation of time is how can you lose those four hours? And it, it's it's four hours in your life that you seemingly lost, but it's not. You didn't lose the four hours. You were just uh, blocked out for four hours. And it wasn't like you experienced those four hours in any kind of decent, comfortable state, especially if people are poking and prodding you. You know that? So about Robert Taylor, he was a forestry worker in Livingston, Scotland. He was heading to work uh, in the woods in 1979 when he turned a corner and saw a, a UFO parked in the field. All at once, two small spheres came from the object. They made a sound uh, as their spikes moved over the earth. They came to a stop beside him, grabbing his trousers. They began dragging him back to the UFO. The spiked objects were very similar to the UFO, only smaller. Taylor could smell a strong, sickening odor. He lost consciousness. When he regained consciousness, the spears were gone, but his red setter was still there. The dog was panicky, running around and barking. Taylor tried to calm him down, but found that his voice was gone. He was very weak, and when he tried to stand, he couldn't. He crawled for a time and was uh, on until he was able to stand again. He finally made it back to his pickup truck and tried to radio his work headquarters via his two-way radio, but uh, it still did not speak. He couldn't speak. Attempting to drive his truck back home, he got stuck in the mud, so he started a long walk about a mile back to his house. He arrived at 11.45 a.m. 
stuck in the mud. Not always the case. <laughs> yeah, got some crap, a crap night. <laughs> His wife phoned uh, the police once he got home, remarking that he looked terrible. The police began an investigation, having no true explanation for the bizarre tracks left at the scene of the UFO. No aircraft, civilian or military was scheduled to be in the area according to comprehensive flight logs. If there are, you know, for some kind of black project, they're they're going to do what they do, and you're not going to know about it, right? Move around. Go mess with some hillbillies, you know? Why not? Anyway, and the forestry worker, I guess he, uh, he went missing. I mean, there's another one forestry worker. Travis Walton was one of seven men working in a forestry team in Snowflake, Arizona. When uh, heading home from work one night, the team spied Snowflake, Arizona. There's just two of those things just don't go together for me. So he's heading home from work one night. The team spied a blindingly bright light thinking it was uh, a crashed plane. They drove over to the craft where they saw uh, what they saw, however, did not look like any plane. Walton jumped out of the truck to get a closer look. Here we go. Another one, right? I'm going to get a closer look at this thing. <laughs> I grew up different. I grew up in New York City, man. If some stuff happens, you run. You don't go. <laughs> you run the other way, and you look at the news later to see what happened. That's really what it was, you know? I'm going to go look at this thing. No. You, you get out of there. Stupid, <laughs> you know, don't hang out. That's how people get shot and stuff, man. You don't hang around. You run. Anyway, suddenly a bright light shot from the UFO and uh, it sent Walton floating into the UFO. You see what you get? The remaining six crew members panicked uh, and they drove away from the scene to get help. Yeah, they're back at the hotel, you know. At the snack machine, wondering what happened to this dude. About 7.30 p.m., one of the crew members called the police. Deputy Sheriff Chuck Ellison answered the phone. The crew member initially reported that uh, only one of the logging crew was missing. Ellison then met the crew at a shopping center. They related and uh, the detail to him. All the men distraught, two of them in tears. And though he was somewhat skeptical of the fantastic account, Ellison would later reflect that if they were acting, they were awfully good at it. See, he's like me. You don't believe it until you believe it. Or at least have a have an idea of believing it. So after an initial scan of the area that showed no evidence of a UFO, the police began to suspect the men were using the story to cover up the fact that they simply murdered Walton. <laughs> so, you know, that also figures in. Our buddy's missing. The guys are crying. They got this crazy concocted story. All you need is a body. However, over the next few days, all six loggers were subjected to intense interrogations of polygraphs. You imagine that? <laughs> you, you witness this thing. They take your friend. You're in tears. You're all messed up. Now the police are like in, intense interrogation. Tell me you murdered him. We know you did it. <laughs> I didn't do it. It was aliens. You know, bullshit. <laughs> we know it was you. Come on, don't you want to see your family again? Even if you're on death row, you get to see your family again. Come on, come on. Admit to it. Here, sign this paper. You confess, little bastard. However, over the next few days, all six loggers, they, yeah, they went through their crap. Uh, their story seemed to hold up. That's when Walton suddenly reappeared. Oh, thank God. <laughs> That's not the guy <laughs> <laughs> you're under all this and here he is you're like oh my god because they weren't believing us man aliens let's see he showed up and thinking he had only been gone for a few hours walton retold parts of the story that he could he said he was interrogated by three creatures with bald heads and they had huge eyes he apparently encountered many different creatures on the craft who performed experiments on him. Many people were skeptical of the story, but Walton and all other loggers maintained their stories. Is this a, a problem, though, with national security? And also, uh, what about the Bill of Rights, man? Not being abducted by illegal aliens. You know what I mean? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> you know, they're not legal in my book. All right. 
Here's Linda. Linda Napolitano. Originally aliased as Linda Cortile, triggered one of the most well-documented UFO abduction cases when she claimed to have been kidnapped out of the window of her Manhattan apartment building by a flying saucer. So a lot of people have the misconception that just because you're abducted, you don't have to be out in the field somewhere or in a canoe with some dudes fishing. It could be just out of your hotel room, right? Right place, right time, and for whatever reason. Whatever reason, you know? Let's see. So uh, this is her description. I'm standing up on nothing, and they take me out uh, all the way, all the way up, way above the building. Oh, I hope I don't fall. The UFO opens up almost like a clam, and then I'm inside. I see benches similar to regular benches, and then they're bringing me down a hallway. Doors open like sliding doors. Inside, these uh, all these lights and buttons and a big, long table. I don't want to get up on that table. They got me up on the table anyway. They start saying things to me, and I'm yelling. I can still yell. One of them says something that sounds like, Knobby egg. You got some knobby eggs. I think that uh, they were trying to tell me to be quiet. <laughs> That's the version. So use that for your future reference. If you ever get abducted and they say knobby egg, just shut up. Shut up. Knobby egg. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. They, they were trying to put, uh, the alien was trying to put his hand over her mouth. Let's see. So her abduction story has been corroborated by two United Nations bodyguards who claim to have seen exactly the scene that she described. Two United Nations bodyguards. There was an oval-shaped object hovering over the top of the apartment building two or three blocks up from where we sat. We didn't know where it came from. It happened too fast. Its lights turned from a bright reddish-orange to a whitish-blue. Coming out of the bottom, green lights rotated around the edge of the saucer. Uh, a little girl or woman was wearing a white gown, sailed out of the window in a fetal position, and then stood in mid-air in this beam of light. I could see three of the ugliest creatures I've ever seen. It is the east side of New York. <laughs> I don't know what, what they were. They weren't human. Their heads were out of proportion, very large, with no hair. Those buggers were escorting her into the crap. My partner screamed, we have, we've got to get them. We tried to get out of the car, but we couldn't after the woman was escorted in. The oval turned reddish-orange again and whisked off. Years later, in 2001, uh, let's see. There's a photo here taken from her apartment. You kind of can't see it. So, what is that? Oh, so it's like they actually have a photo of like this thing floating up in the air, man. Both bodyguards would later go on to suffer severe psychological problems after seeing what they did that night. Linda still maintains her story to this day. So, I want to talk about, real quick, before we end the show, Show's over too fast. You know that? I want to talk about the 10, 10 signs you've been abducted. And it's going to be abbreviated. Uh, so number 10, strange windows of missing time. We talked about that. And you know if you're missing time, something's weird about it. Uh, number nine, sudden feeling of constant anxiety that uh, you just can't, you don't feel settled. You feel like, you know, antsy. You can't relax. Got that going on. Uh, number eight, hearing strange noises while going in and out of sleep. So that's the thing, too. You know, laying there in bed, you see the glimpses of the white light, this light or whatever, and then I don't know, you know. So, but there's bits and pieces that, that come back to these people, right? So number seven, the appearance of unusual markings on the body. Let's say you have a scratch that's not consistent with any scratch that you've ever had, and it, it, it heals weird and the whole bit, right? How about this? Uh, number six, waking up in a different place from where you fell asleep. You know, so aside from your, your club days, you know, that's if you wake up in a different place and you went to sleep, you know there's a problem there. Uh, number five, intense nightmares leading to insomnia. You don't want to go to sleep 
because you know something happens to you and you're afraid of that happening. You don't want it to happen anymore. So then messes up your sleep and then that's that for that. Uh, number four, bizarre effects around electrical equipment that you yourself have some kind of thing going on. Maybe an implant, maybe something happening, whatever, but uh, things start reacting differently or you start reacting differently to the equipment. That's also the case. Number three, sudden paranormal activity and shadow people. It's interesting that people who have been abducted and, and tweaked in these ways start seeing things, having a better understanding of the of, of the paranormal world, a better understanding of what's going on around them, and, and even like uh, being able to read people very easily. They become like, like see super psychics in a weird way, you know? Uh, not every time, but it happens, right? Um, number two, a sudden development of psychic and telepathic abilities. We just talked about that. Uh, number one, number one, let's do it. Alien implants. I know I didn't talk about alien uh, anal probing, but pe- it, probing is a a constant story. But it's become kind of a little laughing thing in the paranormal world. But it does happen, right? Uh, I assume it happens anyway because eventually it happens. Alien implants that you do have some kind of operation, or they do something to you, and they implant something in you, and that could be some little speck. You know, there's one guy who said he was abducted or who claimed all these things, they actually did, did uh, an inspection of his leg and found this little sliver of metal in there that they, they didn't have any uh, accounting for. And just because you, you take something out of someone that doesn't look like a full a sensor or something doesn't mean that in their alien world, it's not a sensor, it's something that can follow them. But if they put an implant in you, you would think that that's probably the easier way they can track you and do what they need to do. But why? Why do it? I don't do anything unless there's a reason why. I don't know about you guys, but I sound like I just get up and say, hey, I'm going to go do this. <laughs> I got no reason. That's 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 the, the world of randomness. I'm not saying randomness can't be rewarding. I think that we could do a whole show on, on randomness, you know, and the effects of randomness and also how you can psychically attract better things in the world of randomness because so-called you're changing your timeline and change shifting time from what you would normally do. You know, like every once in a while, I'm driving down the road and I'll pull over for no good reason and hang out for a couple of minutes. Maybe I'll go on the phone. Maybe I'll just think about something. Maybe I'll just listen to some music and then get back on the road. I don't know. I just feel the urge to do it sometimes and I do it. Now, is that randomness? Is it pre-planned or whatever? We could talk about that for a long, long time. Anyway, if you face your alien abductors, ask them why, why, why? And also ask them if there's any easier way of losing weight except dieting, man. Because you know what? That would be help to a lot of people. And also uh, how I can get my my Hemi Jeep down the road without paying so much in goddamn gas. I will see you guys. You know, give me one of those uh, photon generators. <laughs> I want some technology. You can abduct me. You can probe me. You can do what you got to do. I don't want to remember it. Just give me something after. Make me feel like I'm worth something, man. Give me something after. Some coupons for steaks or something. Anything, man. Anything. I will talk to you guys next week on Discovery Paranormal. Have a wonderful night tonight under the moon. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. United Public Radio Network, UPRN, talkradio.com. Woohoo! Adios.